This is a Therapy for Dads podcast. I'm your host. My name is Travis. I'm a therapist, a dad, a husband. Here at Therapy for Dads, we're reclaiming the narrative of fatherhood, one story at a time. You can follow the journey on Instagram at Therapy for Dads and our website, www.therapyfordads.com. Welcome. All right. Morning, Kelly. Welcome to the Therapy for Dads podcast. How are you doing this morning, man? I am doing well, my friend. I have my coffee here. I have some toast, a mic in front of me. We're good to go. <laughs> well, cheers, man. Good morning. Hey, cheers. Good morning. Happy Friday morning. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what time is it for you over there? 8.18 a.m. on Friday morning. Yeah. Nice. And just so the listeners are, you know, watchers. Um, it's 5.18 a.m. my time where I'm, I'm in a California in case you're new to the show. And Kelly's from, where are you from, Kelly? The city of brotherly love that sometimes I get very, very weirded out by saying that. <laughs> <laughs> the city. So, so for those of you that don't know <clears throat> what the city of brotherly love is, that is Philadelphia. Philadelphia. Yeah. There you good go. Good old Philadelphia. Good old Philadelphia. And are, are you from Philly originally? No. And usually when people ask that question, I say that's a really complicated answer to follow. So do you want the short version or do you want the abbreviated kind of extended version? Or do you want like the full version with details and, you know, enough detail to give a sense of who you are. And we'll just kind of wrap in a, tell us about Kelly then tell us about you and, you know, give us a good sense of who you are. Okay. Yeah. So I was born in Caracas, Venezuela, and uh, my family is from Haiti. So I am Haitian born in Venezuela, but I've been in the States since I was 10 years old. So I always mm -hmm. tell people in terms of culture, Haitian, languages that I think in, English, Spanish, and Creole. Formation, education, and all of that mm -hmm. stuff, more American than anything else. So there's okay. a clash of different backgrounds and stuff that just makes me who I am. Which... <laughs> You know, it sounds actually quite beautiful, Kelly. Like, so Haitian, Venezuelan, and... an American, basically. An American, I guess, Philadelphian. Yeah, but I don't claim Philly. Although I've lived in Philly longer than okay. any of the other states that I've lived in. So, okay. yeah. That's like... I still mo claim do you, Philly. Do you think that's the most influence for you, is Philly? No, I don't claim... Where, where do you think you... Where was your childhood? Let me ask you that. Where, where? I guess which city was your kind of core child... Or was it... Was there a core? Did you move around a lot? That's what I mean. It's a complicated... <laughs> <laughs> so okay. when I first touched down in the US, mm -hmm. it was Brooklyn, New York for about a year. And how, how old were you in, Ten. when you were in Brooklyn? 10. Okay. Yeah. So from okay. 10 to 11, Brooklyn. So I went to the fifth grade in Brooklyn, started sixth grade. And then moved to Miami, Florida to finish sixth grade and then did seventh and started eighth grade, then moved back to Brooklyn to finish eighth grade and then did ninth grade and okay. then moved to Philly to start the 10th grade all the way until college. Okay. So, but 10, so from zero to 10, you were? So from zero to 10, I was in Venezuela, yeah. Haiti, back to Venezuela, Brooklyn. Back and forth. 
Okay. Yeah. So so really your court young childhood was was not was not in the US. No, 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 no. It was no no no. First Venezuela years and of Haiti. my life were split between Haiti and Venezuela. <clears throat> or Venezuela and Haiti, then back to Venezuela. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Wow. So that's a lot of it was, was there a significant well, I mean, was there significant influence between Haitian culture, Venezuelan and and obviously now Brooklyn and Florida? I mean, those are those are I to me it sounds like very different cultural influence is significant. I mean, even from Brooklyn to Florida, I mean, that's a very different culture in and of itself. And then you got Haitian and Venezuela. So can you talk a little bit about that, how that might have influenced you growing up as a kid and as a man? Yeah. So I remember distinctly when I got off the plane in 1995 from Venezuela to uh, New York. I don't know if it was JFK or LaGuardia Airport, but Mm -hmm. we get out of the airport and I look at the landscape and I'm like, where are the mountains at? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like what what kind of world is this mm. so uh that was the first culture shock but i mean i don't know moving around early on just made it easy to adapt to places mm. so coming into the states not knowing a word of english and just mm. being thrown into school for instance you know it was hard at first but I figured mm. it out. And so mm. in terms of moving from place to place and what influenced me in different ways, it's just like I got somewhere thrown into a situation, regardless of what the situation was, let's just figure out how to survive. Sure. Yeah. So moving from Brooklyn to Venezuela, uh-huh. um, I moved in with my uncle, my mom's younger brother. There was a lot of adapting that needed to be done there. The reception that I got in particular, because it was me and my older sister, the reception that I got when we first moved to Florida in my uncle's house from his wife um, was different, maybe three or four months into our stay there. So it was a really warm reception. Uh, I felt like I was part of a family. I had regained something that I had lost some sense of. And then Mm. within a matter of months, all of that was just flipped upside down because dude, my uncle's wife was a witch. She was an absolute witch. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Like, wow. Yeah. She, she was, she was something else, man. She was something else. Mm. The cool thing is, fast forward, I don't know if this is cool or not, but definitely cool for me. Later, maybe when I was in, I don't know, the 11th grade or so, uh-huh. my mom and I, we had a a moment where we were clashing and we mm. just couldn't stand each other. Well, I couldn't stand her, right? Okay. okay. And she was trying so hard to reclaim something that was lost after we were separated when I came to the States and she had to go back to Venezuela and some things happened there that didn't let her come back to the States immediately. All of this will make sense by this explanation right here. The core family unit is my mom, my sisters, and I. Okay. My father has always been an absent figure, so to speak. Okay. Not there. Yeah. No, not there at all. So the core unit- Even when you were little, like never did you- he was there when I was born. And so those early years, obviously, I don't know anything about. 
So I've had to rely on my mom saying, you know, how involved he was and what have you. Okay. But, but your memory, your earliest memory of your father was? Oh, dude, my earliest memory of my father was when I was about seven or eight years old in Venezuela that he came to visit for one weekend and mm. like a flash, boom, and he just did. I mean, wow. yeah, that was that. And then just didn't hear from him? Yeah, yeah. Like, and, then, and then he was wow. gone. And then he was gone. Wow. And um, the next time he sort of came around was when my older sister and I came from Venezuela to the States mm. in 1995. So I was 10. Hmm. And then we lived with him for a year. And we walked into a really messy situation with him, you know, doing extracurricular things with somebody else. Okay. Oh, all of like that. actually walked in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, okay. like we, that's, that was the situation mm -hmm. that we were thrusted into. Wow. Yeah. So within okay. maybe less than a month into mm -hmm. my getting into the States, I was already living with my father and his mistress. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. So okay. talk about, yeah. you know, earth shattering and all of the turmoil and what have you. And so, right. yeah, but like I said earlier, I just learned to adapt. So it just wow. became, you know, survival of the fittest, so to speak. Mm. You know, there was a sense of, for him, obviously, that was normal. For me, okay. that was not normal. But I needed to survive in this really strange environment that I was in. And so I caved in and I mm. just shut in. And just did whatever I had to do to survive. So okay. when I got to Florida and I had that warm reception, it was like, oh, yeah, finally. Okay. You no, know, wow. I've reclaimed something again. And then okay. four months later, right back so, to that. Okay. So now we're to survive. Yeah. What got you through that? Looking back. Just keeping my thoughts to myself, learning mm. what to say, what not to say. Mm. But for a 10, I was 11 going on 12. So for an 11, 12 year old at the time, it was a lot of figuring out very quickly. Mm. Right. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I started to not trust people mm. and the people that I did trust, they were walking a very fine line because the moment that trust was broken, forget about it. Right. Like, yeah. You're, you're not, you're not getting back in whatsoever because because if i open myself up again yes yeah then yeah then what then was there my I get hurt again yeah, i make get... myself vulnerable to being hurt again and there were so many hurts being piled up one on top of the other it just didn't make sense so i became very um strict as to hmm. who i let in and who i kept out so most mm. of the people that I kept out were from the family side and the people that I allowed in were a, a select group of friends from school. Okay. Um, a select group of friends from church. Mm. And of course my girlfriend at the time. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and also writing poetry was a good thing for me too. So I developed a skill wow. to write poetry early on in those, in those days. And so oh, wow. I had a composition notebook where wow. I would express my thoughts through poetry. 
And I hmm. guarded that book with my life because I wouldn't even let anybody read or touch the book because wow. that was like an external um, record or an external manifestation of all of the things that I kept in. Yeah. If anyone found that book, dude, I was like, without even knowing it, I was like uh, Denzel Washington in the book of Eli. Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> well, the, it, so, it sounds as that, like you said, that book was your extension of self. That was you. You were being completely vulnerable through your poetry. Yes. And, and so I'm, it, it makes sense why you would guard it with your life. Yeah. You don't want the wrong person reading it because that could, I don't know, you can feel the hurt again or pain again or. Or people would just know how really weak and vulnerable I felt inside. And I couldn't let that come out because the facade on the outside was, you kidding me? I have tough skin. I could handle this. Which was part of the survival. Which was part of the survival mechanism. Yeah. yeah. Closing in and rough exterior to protect self. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I used to describe I didn't know it as walking in a cave with glass walls hmm. whereas people could see me and interact with me but you couldn't penetrate those walls and i could still see what's going on outside but nobody would come into that little really narrow hmm. hallway that i'm walking into you know why would you at that point right right why would i allow anyone yeah yeah um unless it was girlfriend at the time or some select friends because yeah. My guess is there was some kind of mental checklist or emotional checklist to say, okay, I can trust this person, but still hesitant, kind of, you know, I could trust them, but still wary. It's what I'm hearing. Little, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, if I pick anything up, I'm going to. Right, right. With the exception of the people who actually joined me on the inside of those walls, everybody mm -hmm. else was sort of in tears. Like, okay, you're cool, but you're not getting in. Not even yeah. my sister who I lived with was part of that interior, really mm. intimate core group. Mm. Um, she was kept out because my sister's so diplomatic and I respect that so much about her now that we're adults. Mm -hmm. But at the time she seemed mm. like a traitor. Like you see that oh. these people are not treating me right. So you still get along yeah. with them, which means mm. you don't have my best interest in mind. Yeah. That's like the True. psychology of a, uh, you know, right. that was going on in my head at the time. In that moment, what did you need her to do differently? Do you think looking back? Oh, I mean, as an adult, yeah, I mean, right. Like, we could think, we could think a little more rationally, but as a kid, you needed her to do something to like stand up for me. Stand up. Yeah. You know, to like protect me from the mental abuse, but what the heck? She was huh. 15 mm -hmm. herself. Right. You know? <laughs> right. Right. So you needed her to stand up to the witch. Yeah. Right. Yeah. She needed okay. to stand up to the witch. She needed to, you know, protect me and, and all of that. Mm -hmm. So she was also surviving in the best way she knew to survive. Right. You know, and it sounds like for her, it was to be diplomatic, you know, maybe watch and keep the peace. Yeah. It yeah. Like I mean, she needed to, exactly, exactly. She needed to, to, create an environment for herself to be able to survive. Cause I'm sure she was going through mm -hmm. her own turmoil of being mm -hmm. away from our younger sister mm -hmm. and my mom. And like I said, we yeah. were the core group, you know? Mm -hmm. So I'm sure that affected her in her ways. Mm -hmm. I'm just more of a person who carries my emotions on my sleeves. If I feel like I've been wronged in any way, shape or form, 
you will have no doubt about it. Mm. You will have zero doubt about it. And if it has mm. to be an all out war, then it, it's going to be an all out war. Mm. And that's just, that's always been my, my character. You know, I was the trouble child in the house. You know? Oh, yeah. That was the label. Yeah, yeah. 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 Oh my God, dude. I, I got labeled in all sorts of ways, mm. you know, just for doing things that kids would do. Just, mm. just playing around with my sister. I got called a clown and a monkey. You know, wow. just for playing I, around with my sister. I was told that I would never amount to anything. Man. Yeah. That that was from from, your, from the witch. <laughs> wow. So she really was a, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Okay. So I was saying yeah. earlier, you know, fast forward to that time where my mom and I were having a moment where we were clashing. At that time I was probably 16, 17. Man, I was so irate. I slammed the door to to my bedroom, which is something that you don't do with Haitian parents. Hmm. <laughs> you just don't do that. Like that that just doesn't happen. I slammed the door to the room, and at the time the computer, our desktop was in that room that I shut myself in. And then I just had the brilliant idea. You know what, Kel? You know exactly what the problem is. You know why you don't get along with your mom because you don't trust mm. her. And the reason why you don't trust her is because you are imposing your experience with the witch onto mm. her. Why not do something and expose the witch? And to me, that gotcha. was like a light bulb just turned on, right? Right, right. So I said, yeah, I'm going to expose the witch. I got on the computer and I wrote an email to the witch. I had her email address. I don't know why. So I wrote an email okay. to her and I'm not sure uh, exact message was, but I do remember how I closed out that email because I know she's very strategic. I mean, I lived with the lady. Mm. So I said to her in closing, I said, I know the things that I've told you, you're probably going to twist as being disrespectful. And mm. I honestly don't care how you take it. Right, right. So I also know you're going to show this to your husband. Please show this to your husband because he needs to mm. know the type of woman he married and how much of right. a monster you are. Mm. I know you're going to show this to the rest of my family members, my mom, my aunts, my uncles. Please show them right. because they need to know what you did to me and how mm. you negatively affected me. And mm. whoever else you need to show this to so that you can try to paint me as a disrespectful one and as the bad one and as the whatever other label you want to put on me. Go ahead mm -hmm. and do that because the world needs to know how horrible of a human being you are. Mm -hmm. And I signed my name and I clicked sent. And this big mm -hmm. weight just felt like. Oh, man. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Big weight came off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You needed to say all this for a long time. Yeah. That right there just gives you a glimpse of who I am as a wow. person, even to this day. If I okay. feel wronged, like I'm, I'm just I'm not going to just sit back and, you know, let you do what you got to do. I will. I will confront it head on. I have no problem with that. Right. So that was a shift then for you. Yeah. A significant moment yeah. to survival, you know, kind of closing in and, and kind of the glass narrow corridor, which makes sense like to do that to, okay, I'm going to confront and be direct and say something Yeah. after that. So what was that like for you? I know the, the weight was lifted, but anything else came up? Was it, was it empowering? Was it some type of courage or strength you felt from that, that I can say something? Yeah, um, I guess now looking back, I just felt like I could reclaim 
if you will, a sense like of who I was becoming. Mm-hmm. I, I get to define and redefine who that person yeah. is. Yeah. Uh, I gave a wow. sense of separation. Like, no. So you see me as someone who will not amount to anything. Mm-hmm. Watch. Even though in the back of my mind, it was still like, Kel, whenever you fail, remember, it's because mm-hmm. you are that clown that she saw. Got it. That that was still that negative yeah, yeah. belief yeah. that was kind of still present yeah. and, and yeah. combating. But there's, it sounds like you had this other part coming out and growing, getting stronger. Yeah, saying, just like, well, I have this part. Sure. This part feels more true. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. it's that inner battle that we have, the inner dialogue. Yeah. Yeah. You're nothing, but no, I am. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that, that, that email sounds like was a huge boost, so to speak, to that belief system of, no, I, I, I can't become something I can. And I'm not this person that she says I am. And I'm going to say, so how did it end? You send the email and, and did people respond? Did family respond? No, like did, I didn't hear anything about it for a while. And then my older okay. sister got married and hmm. invited family to, to the wedding. That uncle was the one who performed the ceremony. Okay. And of course, his wife is going to be there. And I knew that. But at that mm-hmm. point, I'm older. I already sent the email. I'm feeling great about myself. I'm not even nervous about anything. And mm-hmm. at the wedding, she comes to me, tears in her eyes, saying that she had no idea that she had done all of these things to me. Mm-hmm. I didn't believe it. <laughs> you know, I, I didn't believe it. Um, yeah. So I call those crocodile tears. Mm-hmm. Nevertheless, she mm-hmm. did apologize. And so mm-hmm. I just looked at her and at that moment, I really felt even more empowered. And I was like, oh, you good. End of story. Mm-hmm. And just kind of moved on from there. Yeah. And you weren't living there, you were around them anymore at that point, or were you living with them at that no, point? No, 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 no. So in Florida, I only lived there for two and a half years. So, okay. uh, if I moved 96 or so somewhere around 98, 99, moved mm-hmm. back to, to Brooklyn. Uh, but by yeah. that time, by the time I sent the email, we were already living here in Philly. That's a, that was a big shift for you. And even that, it, it sounds like that moment at the wedding too was another, was that like another weight lifted? Was that another, um, I'm done? Or like, what, what was that experience in that moment like for you? Like, what was the moment that you remember? Like, yeah, that's what that meant to me. Man, I killed the witch. I I, I stripped her of her power. Wow. You know, like I stripped her of her power. Oh, man. I outsmarted her. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I left her no outlet. Mm -hmm. I felt like the way that she had entrapped me, I had turned the net back on her. Here I am exposing her and I'm telling her, yeah, I can already, I already know your moves, but go ahead and do the things that you got to do because people need to know who you are. Mm -hmm. And I doubt that she showed it to anybody. I doubt Mm -hmm. that she showed it to her husband or anything. In my imagination, at least, I want to think about it and keep thinking about it as if she were standing there reading the email and was like, darn it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I can't yeah. show anyone. Curse yeah. you, Kelly. You know, all that drama and stuff. But I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what happened. A lot happened in your childhood. I mean, so much. I mean, moving a lot and dad wasn't there. I mean, you were living with uncle at one point and this lady who was, yeah, I'll say, emotionally abusive yes. to a child and saying very harmful, de- detrimental things. And 
you then got to this point of realizing I can say something, saying something, and then years later confronting seeing her again and still being able to feel that, okay, I she has no power over me. Yeah, and yeah. That was so I'm cool, caught man. at a significant moment of no more power. The witch, those a significant amount of those beliefs, because what she said explicitly to you was sounds like evaporated, at least most of them. Maybe it's still there from time to time, but the, the big power of it, you released it. You said, no more, you have nothing over me. I don't buy into that, what you said to the belief. Yeah. Yeah. That's powerful, man. That's powerful. Thanks for joining and listening today. Please leave a comment and review the show. Dads are tough, but not tough enough to do this fatherhood thing alone.